0: It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Peter Phillips. Peter Phillips has been a professor of political sociology at Sonoma State University since 1994. He was director of Project Censored from 1996 to 2010 and president of the Media Freedom Foundation from 2003 to 2017. He's been editor or co-editor of 14 editions of Censored, co-editor with Dennis Liu of Impeach the President, The Case Against Bush and Cheney. 2006 editor of two editions of Progressive Guide to Alternative Media and Activism in 99 and 2004 and his most recent book which we'll be talking about is Giants the Global Power Elite Peter Phillips welcome to Talk Nation Radio David thank you for having me on Thanks uh, for coming on should have had you on long before this who who are the uh, the global power elite exactly
1: well, this is an extension of C. Wright Mills' book, The Power Elite, that he did back in 1956. And at the time, he identified the military elites, uh, government, and business in kind of this triad of power uh, who kind of know each other in the country. And he was focused, of course, on the U.S. And there had been lots of in research on elites in the country, particularly in the 60s and 70s, uh, which we developed you know, quite nicely and, uh, but in the last twenty to thirty years, we're seeing um, expansion of the idea of power elite into a global scale with uh, with globalization. So now we have the giants uh, are the trillion dollar investment companies. Uh, they ha- these are companies like BlackRock, Vanguard, J.P. Morgan Chase, um, UBS out of Switzerland that have over a trillion dollars of assets that they manage. And um, there are 17 of them, and they they collectively, in 2017, managed $41 trillion worth of capital. Um, And they're managed by only 199 people. So these are the power elites of the world who are making the decisions about where capital is invested, and um, all the governments and the intelligence agencies and that are working on their behalf to protect global capitalism. It's become incredibly concentrated and um, permeates almost every, every place in the world and impacts all of us. So when we say the, the global power lease, we're really only talking about a couple, 300 people um, who are controlling vast amounts of, of capital, and this could be other people's money. So billionaires um, you know, and, uh, and millionaires put their money in these investment companies, and, and it's them for them. So like Jeff Bezos is the richest person in the world. He's got $160 billion. Um, and, and part of the reason he has that is that these giant investment companies have put, you know, some of them have put $50 billion in Amazon. So they keep investing in Amazon, drives the stock up, makes Bezos richer. But they're the ones making the decisions where to put the money. So when we say power elite, we're talking about the control of global capital. And then there's policy groups that they form um, that help facilitate that worldwide.
0: And so you identify 389 individuals. I, I mean, this almost sounds like a like a large club uh, that's making incredibly important decisions for the world. Uh, how did you identify these people, and how did they get in this club?
1: Well, they are like a club. They all almost all of them go to Davos every year um, to the World Economic Forum and talk to each other there. They're all interconnected in a variety of ways. I think the biggest interconnection is between the 17 giants. They're all invested in each other. And that's what was new in the study when we when we started I looking at NASDAQ and uh, looking at their financial reports and looking at the proxy reports from all these companies. And I got to go, wow, they're all invested in BlackRock. They're all invested in Vanguard. And so I traced it out, and I found that over $400 billion uh, was a co-invested in each other in the top 17 giants. I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. And then there's other secondary companies that are, you know, there's three new trillion-dollar companies, and then there's a dozen that are almost a trillion. So there's this cluster of, of global capital in the $50 trillion range managed by a few hundred people that impacts the entire world and, and, and all of us. And it's very concentrated. And these are the people who are on the boards of directors of these 17 giants, so they're relatively easy to, to see. The proxy reports to describe their stock holdings and their their wealth, so we know their public wealth. And so, in the book, we identify all 199 people of directors and their where they went to where they went to college, and a lot of 28 of them went to Harvard or Stanford, and um, <clears throat> what organizations and policy groups they're in, and um, and then their their uh, public net worth. So it's a significant listing of, of who the power elite are by name. And so it's not just saying they are doing this to us or they're doing this. So this is who they are. And um, because it's really all about global capital, whether you're in Congress or you're a senator or you're in, in Parliament in England, um, you're there. Your primary mission is, to, is, is really is to protect global capital. Um, We protect capitalism, the governments do, and the intelligence agencies do. And that means protecting capital itself and allowing it to penetrate anywhere in the world uh, with no interferences and, and of course, to collect debts as well. So U.S. policy, NATO policy, the military empire that is operating around the world now, 800-some bases, is there to protect global capital and the penetration of global capital everywhere in the world.
0: There's another definition of capitalism, Peter Phillips, that has something to do with competition and uh, free and fair market in it, Uh, and I'm not seeing that here you describe 147 companies with 40% of the wealth in the world all invested in each other and the same people on boards and, and and getting together and and setting prices and fixing and scheming uh for mutual benefit not for competition one against the others
1: well yeah that that's pretty much how it's working um
0: so is that the, the Giants
1: are all invested in each other? They watch each other closely. If one makes a move in terms of investing, the others will, will usually follow up pretty closely. Um, and and there has been collusion. We know about the LIBOR price fixing scandal. Uh, JPMorgan Chase, UBS, Barclays—thirteen of the giants were implicated, and for falsifying data that used to create benchmark rates beginning back in two thousand three. They all paid billions of dollars in fines, but nobody went to jail. Uh, And that affected everything. It affected, you know, interest rates. If you bought a car, your mortgage rate. I mean, everybody was impacted by that. Um, And it was a huge scandal, but people just kind of forget about it. Like, oh, yeah, okay, they do that. But they have that ability to collude, and they certainly watch each other very closely. Many of these banks were implicated in global currency exchange markets, manipulating that back in 2015. They paid fines. And they kind of see that as just the cost of doing business, and nobody goes to jail. Yes. So, yes, there is there is collusion. It's, it's public. We know that. To what degree there's additional collusion going on, it, it's behind closed doors. But um, we don't claim that any single individual in the study has done anything illegal. But we certainly know historically that these companies have, and obviously the people that are running these companies are aware to some degree of what's happening. So, this, you know, this financial core, I mean, these people are from, uh, they're from Britain, they're from France, they're from, from the U.S. Out of the 190, 60 of them are, or 60% are U.S. But then they're spread all over the world, from Italy to Singapore, Austria, and Japan, and Brazil. And um, this is the, how global capital circles the world. And um, they have these policy groups uh, to help facilitate that, to help make it happen. And probably the, what I call the Executive Committee of Global Capitalism is, is the group of 30. Uh, they're sometimes called the G30. And this is um, 32 men and, and two women uh, who are the core bankers and economists from around the world. And they, they work out of Washington, D.C. And uh, this group was formed in 1978. And they put out reports from study groups and um, on policies for the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and that, that are seen not just as recommendations, but they're seen as instructions. So this group is private. It's non-governmental. It's made up of top economic people in the world. um, And there's just, you know, 34 of them. Half of them have PhDs in, in, in economics. And they're basically making the policy decisions uh, for the major inter- interstate, transnational uh, organizations like the IMF and the, and the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, those 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 uh, institutions are controlled by governments, and they're controlled by governments that, that are the wealthiest. So the U.S. has the biggest influence in all of those. Um, but the real the real policy making group is the Council of Thirty, and then right behind them is is the Trilateral Commission. Um, Trilateral Commission is now um, worldwide. It was formed in 1973 by David Rockefeller and Zabrinsky. Um, And originally it was Europe, Japan, and the U.S. But now it's some 40 countries with 375 members. And to be a member, you can't be in government. So this is a non-governmental policy organization. The Trilateral Commission puts out reports on on capital investments, it puts out reports on policy making towards governments and and, and other things. Like the, it was the Trilateral Commission that put out a report in 2014 saying uh, engaging Russia uh, a return to containment. So they accused uh, Putin of trying to um, <clears throat> rebuild the Russian Empire, and um, ever since now the Russians have been publicly negated in in the press. They're accused of manipulating our elections. There's just a variety of things that have emerged from that. And it basically came out of that report from the Trilateral Commission. And they are blaming Putin for, you know, the Crimea separation from from the Ukraine. And, I mean, the Russians didn't invade the Crimea. They already had bases there. They just told, they just said, we're not going to give it up. Or give up control of it after the. US. had engineered a coup in, in Ukraine. so it's it's a complex situation worldwide and uh, these policy groups which are private and on their boards of directors I list them as the global power elite as well. Um, the third group is the Atlantic Council, uh, which is made up of NATO nations and they're primarily concerned with security issues and and capital investment so, their board of directors um are the top the top people on their board um are half national and international security experts and or major uh, capital investments people on the boards of the giants and other big investment companies so <clears throat> those three groups uh the Atlantic Council the trilateral commission and the council of 30 are the policy making groups that represent the transnational capitalist class the giants, the global power elite and what policies governments should be implementing. So that's when we say the global power elite, that's the people. And they of course have names and, and addresses, and we know who they are, um, that are, are, controlling, are literally controlling the global, um, the world, the global capitalist world. And, uh, of course, challenged to that is countries that don't want to cooperate like Iran and Cuba. And Venezuela to a point, and, and, and Russia, and China. China cooperates to varying degrees, but there's still conflict. But the rest of the world is pretty much capital dominated, the, the Western capital, and uh, they're going for the, the whole shebang.
0: We're speaking with Peter Phillips about the book Giants, the Global Power Elite. I would just add briefly, Peter, to the bit about Russia already occupying Crimea and choosing not to give it up. It was, in fact, the people of Crimea who voted over 90% uh, to be to rejoin Russia. It wasn't a decision made by the, the, the government in Moscow. Um, the, the book it actually does name names and, and gives uh, lists of these companies and of these individuals and descriptions descriptions and short bios can you can you can you say how many of these these 300 and what is it 389 individuals are are known Well there's are, that many
1: people listed in the book which includes the Davos World Economic uh, Forum executive committee and a few others but the big of, 3 um, are the ones I mentioned?
0: How how many uh, of these people are known are household names, and and how many are just completely unheard of? And can you can you tell us about a, a few of them?
1: Well, um, as I, I mentioned earlier, that the richest person in in, in the world Jeff Bezos, um, you know, with 160 billion, I don't include him in the global global power elite. He's he's like a giant tree in a redwood forest. He's the biggest tree there. Um, but the forest is what's really important. And, of course, if you know Redwood Forest, their roots are all interconnected. And um, so he's, he's a giant tree, but he's not the forest. So the book is about the sociology of the global power elites at, as a forest of interconnected people um, through various institutions controlling global capital a, a, and money. And some of the most powerful ones in that group are like Jamie Dimon, uh, who, who runs Chase Manhattan Bank, and he's on a variety of different organizations, um, and he's keynote speaker in Davos every year, and that. And then, of course, uh, Larry Fink, who's um, you know runs BlackRock, which is the largest investment company, It's the largest giant with over six trillion dollars worth of capital, and there he's invested everywhere in the world, uh, and, and including uh, uh, Trump. Uh, has money in in, uh, in 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 Chase Manhattan Bank, and Obama has money in BlackRock. I mean, so that's where millionaires, uh, and in Trump's case, billionaire, uh, put their excess capital, and it's managed by these people, and invested in a variety of ways. And they, of course, invest in um, war, and uh, the war the war companies, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. They're highly invested there. Um, and one of their biggest problems, though, is they have too much capital. They have more capital, and they have safe places to put it. So that's, that's what, and so they began to do speculative investments, and that's what led to the 2008 crisis on the subprime mortgage uh, pack loans. Uh, they knew those were risky, and they, but they had nowhere else to put their capital. And so that, that almost brought down the entire economic system in the world. There have been bailouts of trillions of dollars from governments everywhere, including the U.S., to the banks, to continue to uh, loan money and expand, um, we would have seen a total economic collapse. But knowing that, governments are engaged in helping them facilitate the, the investment of that capital. And one of the big ways that they do it is austerity programs, meaning that they allow capital to buy up public resources. So it could be freeway systems, it could be water rights, it could be um, investing in, in, in you know, flying to space, which is now being privatized. And so it's, it's literally the privatization of the world. So capital is used to privatize the world, uh, buying out what has always been considered the commons for people. And, um, and, the, and the other capacity, besides speculative investment, is, is war. Uh, We're now in a state of permanent war. Uh, The U.S. military, NATO empire is spread around the world. We're killing, we have active troops in 140 countries either training or killing people there. It's about containment of populations worldwide um, and working with nations who we call sovereign states, but they're not really sovereign because they're under the thumb of global capital. And their elites are making good money, and they're they feeling good about it all. And, and so nation-states become literally become population containment zones um, and, you know, for, for global capital and to protect global capital. And if the nation-state elites can't handle that, then we will do what we call humanitarian interventions and, uh, and take over or, re, or put new people in, and we're engineering that all the time, people who are favorable to Western capital. And if you in any way interfere, like Gaddafi wanted to start trading his oil in gold, uh, start interfering with that capital growth, um, uh, you're 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 gotten rid of. There's a the regime change. So we see regime changes. Of course, that was what happened to Saddam Hussein. He started selling his oil in, in euros, and that we know what happened to him. We know what happened to Gaddafi, and so we'll see engineered um, regime changes around the world. And it would have happened in Syria if the Russians hadn't intervened. So we're looking at war as a permanent mechanism of using, up, using surplus capital, preparing for war, building machines for war, using them up, and, um, and, and then rebuilding after we destroy things.
0: Okay. So
1: that, is an, that money for war goes into capital and capital growth, and, and allows profits and returns on on global investment in the, the trillions of dollars
0: and, and can you explain Peter Phillips, why it wouldn 't be possible for this global elite? to say to the world's governments and the world's corporations, we're not going to invest in war profiteering anymore. We're going to invest in clean energy and infrastructure and useful projects for humanity and the environment. That's where we're we're putting our money from now on. Why? What is it about war that works, whereas something uh, actually useful wouldn't?
1: Well, having war and investing in... in Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin and Boeing, which are the three biggest uh, defense contractors, um, is is almost a guaranteed return because the military budget is so huge. um, And it's annual, that it's it's giving returns on investments in those areas. Um, All the big ones, um, BlackRock, uh, Bank of New York, Mellon, UBS, uh, FMR, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, are all invested in, in
0: but these are the but these are the people who decide what the government spends its money on. We've been over that. What if they told the government to invest its money in something else?
1: Well, we're <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, we have a um the problem with this is we're faced with you can't continue to have economic growth and continue to concentrate that wealth at infinitum. It just can't happen. Um, at some point, there will be more capital. There's any available possibility of investment, and that's what we call stagnation, and that's where we see economic collapse, and factories closing, and mass unemployment, and a massive increase in poverty, and and the, and the world's in a crisis in that capacity. I mean, eighty percent of the people in the world live on less than ten dollars a day. Um, half the people in the world live on 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 three dollars a day, and about a quarter live on a dollar fifty a day. I mean, it's just it's an amazing inequality between the top 20% of the people in the world, which have 95% of the wealth of the top 1% that have well over half. And, and then those, those are people. And then there's people like Bezos and, and, uh, and the others that are, that are, you know, multi-billionaires. And then every day there's 30,000 people plus that are dying from starvation. So there's this mass slaughter of people, um, in addition to war in Yemen and what's going on there, I mean, just people just dying from malnutrition and starvation worldwide, including here in the U.S. And this um, massive um, inequality that's continuing to grow, and they, and they they can't they act like they can't stop it. They could decide not to invest in war. They could decide to invest in green energy products and try to expand that way that have to make that that, that transition and so we're that's why we're naming these people because they're the ones that could could make that decision we want to name them and say to them that, that you've got grandchildren and you and you want to see them have grandchildren we're moving towards uh, global economic and environmental collapse and and you need to do this and then we of course the 99 percent need to pressure them through social movements and political actions and, and a Green New Deal and those kinds of things they're talking about, you know, trying to implement in, in, in the world today, we have to push that in, in a very big way. But at least this book it tells us who we, can t- who we should be talking to and who could, in fact, make some changes. Um, and most of these names are, are not common names, and we don't know them. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. if you were in the, if you were in the business, you would. Um, but I mean, here's here's just a sample. I just opened the page. You know, um, <clears throat> Interpublic Group. Michael Roth. Um, he's you know he's worth twenty three billion, and uh, he, Interpublic Group is a big. He's the CEO of Interpublic Group. They're one of the big public relation firms that supply the corporate media with with content. So the big PR firms are what we call them the ideologists. And they're the ones saying everything is wonderful. Just keep, you know, keep working and spending, and um, and and support. You know, capitalism is just going to grow its way out of this problem, and that's just not possible. They want to privatize everything, including social security and, and everything else that the, the public holds in common, and take over the world. Um, that it ultimately it won't work. And so we'll see economic collapse, or we'll see environmental collapse, which is happening very rapidly as well, or the two together, and uh, and then billions of people would die in the world from from wars and starvation and 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 massive civil unrest, unless um, they can readjust capital so that it 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 flows downward in a river downward to everybody in the world, so that all people have. The basic human rights, guaranteed, talked about in the U.N., Universal Declaration of Human Rights as a, as a life and a place so food security and that, and, and that we need to build a world that, that has, has that capacity. We more than have the capacity, it's just not being used in that way. So that's the, that's the psychological, sociological, uh, philosophical transformation that has to happen. And we're, we know who to ask now. We can say to these 389 people, you guys got to fix this. If you don't fix this, your grandkids won't have grandkids. And we're going to pressure you to do that. And we're hopeful, you know, we thought that when elites realize that they're in a crisis, and we know historically that that's true from the 30s and the 60s, some of them will begin to do the right thing. So that's what we have to encourage and really try to make happen.
0: We got sixty seconds left, Peter Phillips. Should we be go? Should we be using this book as a guide to activism? Should we be pressuring these wealthy individuals as opposed to uh, elected so-called representatives?
1: Well, nobody gets elected without these individuals supporting them, so um, or at least capital supporting them in some capacity. So, yes, I think that the, I wrote the book for the idea of identifying who the global power elite are, what their major problems are and we can begin to talk to them. And, you know, some they changed places. Two of them died last year, you know, but it's still the same structure that gets back in place. So that's where we need to look, and I
0: think that that's, uh, that's why I wrote the book. It is an excellent book. We could uh, go on for quite some time talking about it. It's called Giants, the Global Power Elite, by our guest Peter Phillips, professor of political sociology at Sonoma State University. Peter Phillips, thank you very, very much for writing this book and for coming on Talk Nation Radio.
1: Thank you very much, David. It was great to be here.
0: Now let me take one minute to tell you about an upcoming gathering of powerful people and servants of powerful people. This group is called the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO, and it is coming to Washington, D.C. on April 4th. Many of us are organizing a peace festival to unwelcome them. NATO is the largest military alliance in the world, with the largest military spending and nuclear stockpiles. While claiming to preserve peace, NATO has violated international law and bombed Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, Serbia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Libya. NATO has exacerbated tensions with Russia, Russia and increased the risk of nuclear apocalypse. Instead of celebrating NATO's 70th anniversary, we're celebrating peace on April 4th in commemoration of Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech against war on April 4th, 1967, as well as his assassination on April 4th, 1968. Learn more at NoToNATO.org. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a non-profit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org there is no way to peace peace is the way until next time